Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with comics writer and creator of the Baby Barbarian and the Player's Throne comic series, William Gosselin, here to promote the Kickstarter for the comics' second issue. Welcome back, Bill. Hi, Kayla. How are you? Thanks for thanks for agreeing to talk to me again. I well, thanks for reaching out again and, and coming back, and thanks that, you know, that it wasn't that bad of an experience. That it was... No, it was, a, it was a great experience, and I appreciated you last time. We actually did two while we were doing it. We talked with the people who were helping out with a video game. If you remember that, yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I do remember that. That was like my first time, like hosting a interview with like I think not with multiple people, but for something else. And I think it was live, right? I, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, that was the first time I ever did that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But um, yeah. outside of my introduction, for those who don't know, uh, who is William Gosline in his own words? Um. Well, let's see. I'm a Seattleite. Um. I've been writing for a long time. Uh, I've been creating for a long time. Um, I've done many different kinds of jobs. I've, I've uh, actually was in Hawaii for 22 years when I was a young man to an older man. And now I'm even older than that. And I'm back in my hometown uh, of Seattle. And um, I think I always had a, um, always really had a real interest in uh, comic books uh, from when I was young. And um you know, I think, you know, last time when we talked, I sort of explained that during the pandemic, um, I just thought it would be really nice to be able to work on, <clears throat> you know, something that could help me sort of weather that with my son, because my son and I, at the very beginning, we were sort of like everyone else, you know, we were stuck in like a one bedroom. And my wife at the time was working, um, you know, she was out of the, out of the place. And so I was like, man, I need something to kind of lift my spirits. So I started doing this as a side project, um, the baby barbarian stuff. And that was, you know, a while ago. And then it, yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's my foray into like sort of the comic book Kickstarter world began with that, but I've done many other things other than that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, speaking of baby barbarian, what is, uh, Baby Barbarian and the Players thrown about for those who are new and for the returning readers what should they expect for part two? Okay thank you. Um, so Baby Barbarian is it's I guess it could be described as gonzo fantasy which is like where you know uh, when you have fantasy like the, the 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 challenge of fantasy is world building um, and you know you want to have uh you know, they, people make nations and, you know, countries and races and all this kind of stuff. And gonzo fantasy is sort of like the assumption that everybody knows all those tropes already. And we just mm -hmm. throw it all into the kitchen sink, you know what I mean? And just yeah. have fun with it. Um, so it's uh, like, a yeah, so it's like a gonzo fantasy um, a story about a family, a mother, father, and a little boy um, who are from this sort of northern uh, you know, like faux Viking community um, mm -hmm. north of the, in the cold, fast mountains. And um, they're very isolated and they're very proud and very ignorant of anything outside of their community. But they have um, a, uh, but, you know, it's kind of a fun community too, you know, a lot of characters in there. And in the first, um, the first issue, of course, you know, they always say with stories, right? You have to have the, the inciting event where something, you know, something upsets the the norm or mm -hmm. the, you know, up 
transcends the um, the sort of the mundane existence, which I don't know how mundane it is when you're in like a gonzo fantasy world, but there you are. And um, and so there's this fellow who comes to um, their town of Letho in the villages, and he has a he has a cart, you know. Um, uh, and in the back of the cart, he has all sorts of magical trinkets that he um, he's a he's a, a peddler essentially, like a peddler mm -hmm. of magical goods. Um, and he he travels from place to place, and he um, uh, he has you know, like I said, a wagon full of magical goods. And um, the sort of his prime, his main, his main um, uh, item or his, his, his prized possession is the player's throne, which is a, um, it's like a throne that's made out of all different kinds of garden implements instead of swords. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a, little bit of an illusion there, right? Again, Gonzo Fantasy has a lot of illusions in it, right? You know, so, yeah. well, you know, we're always referencing things. But um, and so um, he uh, um, he he shows it to the he shows it to the village and he says, hey, if you sit you know sit down on this and then you're going to be transported off to a land of endless fun and games, and um, one night, well that night in fact that same night they, uh, while they're still in the village, one of the family members goes down and uh, challenges this this peddler's claim that he can that the throne is magical and guess what it is magical and the family member is sent off to castle slapdash which is the uh, where the throne was initially taken from mm. and um he uh, uh the, the family member in the morning the other the, the the other two wake up they find him gone they get onto the throne and then they then they um they also are teleported or portaled off to Castle Slapdash. And the thing is, so the end of the first issue, um, we uh, we had the family land in Castle Slapdash, but they were mm -hmm. separated and they were all over this real gonzo castle. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. um, they were in different areas. And um, so we ended that issue with the family finding each other after being helped out by the, the father's ghost mother who's um a ghostly gammy hildegard and mm -hmm. she uh she um she helps uh the boy whose name is brahm to like learn how to rage so then he's able to get out of his his cell and then they all get together again and that was the end of that but they still got to get out of the castle and that's part two yeah so how has the creative process for Baby Barbarian changed, if at all, mm. from the first issue to now working on the second one and promoting the second one, actually? I mean, it's changed a lot. You know, I mean, when I first started this, I didn't know anything. You know, for example, I would just, you know, look at other people's Kickstarters. And um, and also was a, a part of a comics tribe, which is a, mm -hmm. which is a group that is around... Um, Started by somebody named Tyler James. I think I think I introduced you guys, didn't I? Yeah, I think, yeah, you did. And then I did an interview with him. I think a little bit later on in the year. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm all about you know. I mean, I think comics are a collaborative process, and a lot of geek stuff is. You know, so I like to. Anyways, yeah, happy to. But anyway, so um, I was a part of that, and he has he's he's sort of got this community where he helps people, you know, because like doing a comic book Kickstarter is kind of a niche thing, right? Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it's not like you go to school to learn how to do it or something like that. So he has a community that helps people um, learn about that. So I, I started off in that, but I didn't know anything about anything. You know, I didn't know about domain names at the beginning. I didn't know about setting up, you know, different kind of internet accounts, um, different emails other than Gmail and all that. So, you know, I kind of had a, I had a steep learning curve for the, the first time around. Mm-hmm. I had to learn about Facebook advertising, you know, I had to learn the sort of the nuances of running an effective Kickstarter campaign, you know, with different milestones, different steps that you're going to want to take, um, you know, different, uh, different ways to sort of uh, bridge the, what they call like the, there's right in the middle, they call it like the doldrums kind of, you know, like in the middle of a Kickstarter, there's usually, there's like a, you have a big boost at the beginning, big at the end, and then people get really nervous in the middle because they don't have a lot of traction. Yeah. And, so I had to learn a lot. I had to learn all those kind. You know, I had to learn all those things, um, and you know, it's essentially you know running a Kickstarter and developing a comic. It's like having a small business. You know, mm-hmm. it's like running a small business. And um, I luckily I did run a small business at one time, but um, so, but you know, it's great because you know, just like anything else in this life, you know, after doing that first one, now I knew how to do that, and now I could sort of level up figure out different ways to do things. So I'm working, um, I have some people who are helping me out with marketing who are gonna be doing the, um, like the the advertising this time around, Mm -hmm. Facebook ads. And um, because that's that's a whole thing in in and of itself, you know what I mean? Especially with the changes in Facebook nowadays. Um, So yeah, I have some little bit more help there. um, And, but mostly, you know, I'm still doing it, you know, pretty much solo <laughs> almost like a solo nerd bird <laughs> so you get that so yeah well now that I guess you kind of got your feet wet with Kickstarter and the crowdfunding crowd um is there any advice or anything that you've learned that you would like to pass on to other creators who want to get into crowdfunding that you know that you didn't learn from Comics Tribe that you kind of had to learn on your own it's like man I wish I wish Tyler would have told me this part. I would. I wish you know he would have told me that part. Um, well, it's that's that's really tough um, because I think I think like you know so much of the time. Okay, let's just say, let's say like this, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of sort of like influencer types out there. Yeah, and they always have like this, you know, like hey, you just got to do this one thing, and this is gonna it's going to level up, you know, it's going to make everything just suddenly, you know, I got this many followers in, you know, 30 days from doing, you know, from wearing my underwear on my head or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and I think, you know, for me, it's just, you know, and maybe I should have known this at my age already, but there is, for me, there has been no, um, there's been no shortcut. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, It's, it's, it's a, it's a grind, you know, and, um and i think you know this is not uncommon with comics i mean if you if um kayla you probably i'm sure that you read you know blogs about even the old creators from back in the 60s and 70s and it was you know it was really it was tough work you know Mm -hmm. really tough work now having said that we are also in an amazing time where somebody like me can decide to do this and figure out how to do it and get it out into the world. And that's something that not many people, we didn't have as much of an option of in the past. So 
I would say, um, I would say if you really are committed to trying to doing it and, you know, you're going to have to invest um, time and, and finances in upfront to do a, to do a comic, because the thing about, um, uh, you know, you have to, you know, if I'm a writer and a creator, right. And um, I have to pay my artists, everyone, everyone ends up having to pay their artists up front. Mm. It's not, especially if you're just starting out, you know what I mean? Um, so I guess, yeah, that would, you know, it's just a, but, you know, having said that, if you can invest, um, I mean, you can do it, you can do it, but it is, it is, a, uh, it's, you know, you have to consider it like either a second, something between a second job and a hobby, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it takes so much energy, it takes so much time. Um, and you have to really have that passion in you to do it, you know, that stick-to-itiveness. But um, in, gar- in terms of like what I learned from Tyler, I don't know. I think, I think, I think I'm a little bit, I think I'm a little bit glacial in how I learn things. So I can't remember exactly what, you know, I learned from him, but, you know, cause I still am in touch with that community. Uh-huh. So we're always learning, you know what I mean? We're always learning things. Well, I'll, I would say one thing, and that is this, is uh, recently, um you know they had a discussion about what a kickstarter comic book should be priced as mm-hmm. and um you know a lot of times people don't like to talk about pricing because it's a um you know it's a creative endeavor and a lot of times people are like hey you know my my art is just gonna it's just gonna suddenly shine and you know we sometimes people are a little bit leery of talking about that but um in the conversation that ensued it was you know, it was like, you know, we have to consider that a Kickstarter comic book is not the same as a print comic book. It's like, like, it's like artesian water versus, you know, soda pop, you know what I mean? Uh Because there's so much other things that you can offer as a part of doing a Kickstarter. And those are things that you would want to leverage. Um, You know, the fact that people can interact with you, the fact that you can actually bounce off, um, bounce off of them. Uh, and they can bounce off of you and you have a dialogue going. And I think that's really the appeal of Kickstarter is people feel like they're a part of something. So, you know, the, the, you should be engaged as, as engaged as possible with the people, with your, the people that want to help you out. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Well, speaking of money, so you mentioned, you know, having to pay your artists up front and then now you have like a marketing team to help with advertising so has it been I guess tricky in a way or difficult in increasing your budget having to bring in extra people now that you're on to your second kickstarter like is there I guess a fine line in right there of like you you have to increase the budget now because you have more readers you have more followers engages whatever it may be and you have more people on your staff but you don't want to raise it too much in a way because this is like this is just the second one. You don't want to go all out just because you had a successful one. So how has that been with increasing the budget now? Um, well, I mean, I had I had I put aside money for this to mm-hmm. be honest, kind of from the beginning because it's something that I really wanted to do and I have other plans for it, you know. And as you know, it got picked up by Scout Comics, you know. So they'll be publishing after the second one. They're going to be publishing the full. The full book so I think to be honest with you like this is a time and money investment that is for me is not just going to be um 
only about the comic. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm trying to create a brand here, um, and I, uh, I I don't mean Ongol books. I mean Baby Barbarian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> you know, because like the second time round, where um, we actually booted up the the video game, so it looks so we're actually using assets from the comic. Uh-huh. You know, like the the guy pulled in the the actually he brought in all the stuff from the panels and brought in the characters and made stick figures out of them. So it's it's a completely different um, look to the last time, which was all kind of pixel and then used like a um, uh, what you call it a template from Unity uh, for assets. And then I was talking to a guy and um, I've been working on a card game version, a Baby Barbarian, where it's like it mirrors the the um, it mirrors a story uh-huh. you know I mean? because uh, there's a uh, there's a there's a chess table and there's a chess game that figures prominently in the plot and so we started making a card game that is has chess game elements to it oh wow um, that was well, his you're going all out aren't you yeah um <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I, like I said, I've been around for a while and this is, it's kind of like my last gasp to just try and really put something nice out into the world. You know? uh-huh. So I think, you know, to answer your question, you know, I mean, I, it, it's not, it's not, I mean, I, think I did not really invest that much more than the last time around, except to have some people help me with ads, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not, it's hard to make money off of this stuff. That's why I'm trying to build the brand over time. Uh-huh. That's why, I, uh, I mean, I don't know if people want to hear that, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's- yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to go back to, I guess, your process and the whole creative part of it. Um, Baby Barbarian is very like family oriented and that younger readers can read this it's not like ultra violent like most other comics are out there so how has it been you know creating this you know family friendly comic that you know even that your son can read in a world where like ultra violence is the thing that a lot of readers you know want to read or that the market pretty much shoves in their faces so how has that been like marketing this in this kind of like I said family friendly comic in this kind of world well it's it's hard I mean I they it's hard to market anything you know what I mean because mm-hmm. it's just saturated everything is saturated um but I think you know may I mean I can't really speak to that too much except to say that for example like with concerto the nice thing is that you can now have you can now be a part of two separate categories. So I was able to put Baby Barbarian into um, into the uh, children's book category as well as being inside of the comic book category. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested, personally, I'm not interested in contributing to, um, I mean, I don't know, this sounds kind of harsh, but like sort of like toxic, toxic max. <laughs> masculine masculine, uh of um you know like tropes of like the ultra violence and you know and i mean even some of the stuff that i like that is very is is 
in theory is very edgy like i like the boys that show for example you know i think that's yeah but um but even so there's a lot of you know as you say there's a lot of at the end of the day there's a lot of celebration of violence Mm -hmm. and and accomplishing your goals through violence um and uh you know and i understand there you know the the writer i think it's garth ennis you know he's very seditious you know what i mean he's he's a you know, he's a, you know, he's an artist. He's trying to challenge, you know, the status quo and all that. But at the same time, you know, when you're, when you're contributing to, um, uh, you know, our narrative of violence, you're not really challenging the status quo. But anyways, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But um, I, I, I think that, you know, there's, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I do, I wanted to make it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I even, I mean, you know, you remember when we talked about it, like I specifically told the artist to have Brunhild, who's the mom, like look like a mom. Uh-huh. You know yeah. I mean? like, she's a little bit thick around the th- around the hips, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you know, often women give birth, I mean the hips just widen, you know what I mean? And I'm not that's also I'm not interested in um, you know, uh that what do they call it, the male gaze or you know, like um, you know what I'm saying, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. objectifying you know, because that's also a big problem, has been a big problem in comic books, you know. So I think, you know, I'm also, um, one thing that I appreciate was, um, you know, the guy who wrote Amulet, um, Kibuiki, I think his name is. Um, what is his name? You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. He's actually here in Washington nowadays. Um, nice guy. I've never met him, but I actually sat in on a interview with him in the, um, at the Tacoma Library, uh-huh. and they asked him a similar question, like, "What kind of comics do you?" He says, "I don't really necessarily look to comics." He says, "I look to like, um, I think he mentioned like Ernest Hemingway, Old Man in the Sea, or something like that." And uh-huh. and and so I have that. I you know, there's a lot of literary illusions in myself because I'm a literary person, but I think also something that I really hearken to a lot is that I have a I have a real I'm a grognard. I really love the old like Dungeons and Dragons stuff from when I was a kid. And so there's uh-huh. there's a lot of that sort of embedded in it. And I almost, oh, I mean, for me, I kind of hope that that community might, might gravitate to this as much as a comic book community and as much as a YA community. Because I do think, you know, also, you know, having, having stood on the edge of now of the game design community, mm-hmm. I like... I feel like with game design, board game design, in my observations of just sort of being on the peripheries of it, working on this card game with this Spanish man, it's, there's a nice collaborative thing in that, in that design, in the game community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, maybe it's just because the nature of, you know, games are played together, you know? And so people tend to like to be more like that. So I, I do like, um, you know, I hope that, I hope that this that this work, you know, by the Barbarian is going to be something that appeals to those different kind of crowds. I'm not going for the people who want to, you know, read, you know, about guys in tights beating each other up. And yeah. I like some of that stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know, I cut my teeth on that as a kid, but this is not that. Yeah, when you when you brought up Dungeons and Dragons, I remember there's something that we talked about in our first interview together about Baby Barbarian. And I remember you mentioned something about rage and kind of talking about that, wanted to explore that a little bit. And I actually made a Barbarian character 
uh, in one of our D&D games. We haven't played it in a while, but I think he's bringing it back in the fall, um, where uh, we decided that when she rages, um, he has to roll, I think, like a D8 to decide what the side effects are after she comes down from her rage. And then I started exploring, okay, so when people rage, what are the side effects from it? They have like migraines, uh, they could be even like like constipated or something from it or whatever it may be that's going on with their body. Mm. And, but only he and I would know and I would have to act that out, like role play that out. Oh, and cool. then other people would have to figure it out. So cool. yeah, I, I, I really wanted to play that character, but then for whatever reason, we had scheduling conflicts, you know, because there's one person that's playing on the West Coast. Uh, I think somewhere in like Southern California is where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but yeah, that was like maybe in the beginning of the year. So I jumped into another game instead, but I really want to bring that character back. I, I Yeah, I think she's like half barbarian, um, maybe a fighter, I think. I think that's what I did, a fighter barbarian. Character. Oh, you're one of those min-maxers, huh? No, I'm just kidding. You get the benefit of the of the of the rage at the first level and all that. Yeah, I mean, I've never played either one of them, and yeah, I, I mean, I definitely wanted to be the barbarian, and I th- like I said, I think I did fight it. It was so long ago. I have I don't even know if I still have the sheet, but yeah, I mean, I've never played either one of them, and I thought it'd be interesting to explore the side effects of rage. It was all I mean, from the conversation that we had before. That is really cool. I mean, because, you know, just that's really cool that you know you thought about that and I think it's totally because when we were talking you know that so the rage thing for me is you know it's a family it's an inherited family thing mm-hmm. and it goes through the male line essentially and you know there is rape rage in in families mm-hmm. and and, uh, and it's not always a good thing right yeah in real life you know having inherited rage is not a good thing um and uh so you know you know, when we talked before, you know, like I have ADHD. So it was sort of like, it's, it's, uh, that's the theme of that is, you know, helping, you know, helping model how people can um, need to learn how to control their impulsivity, you know what I mean? Their emotion, their emotions, or not their emotions, but their behavior that arises from emotions, if that makes more sense, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so that would, that's been a huge, theme for you know for this uh for this for this line and in fact the end of baby barbarian you know i don't you know i um you know usually you know you have that final challenge right in most every kind of story right it's like the there's a darkest moment and then you got to come out of it and all that Mm -hmm. and i you know i'm just like i you know as an 80s kid i was just like at a certain point i was just like how come at the end of every movie, they got to blow everything up, you know what I mean, I was like, I'm so over it, man, you know what I mean, it's like, and so I was like, so, you know, for this final, so I like to subvert that a little bit, you know, so the final challenge that besets the family and baby barbarian that before they're able to return home is actually not a physical one, it's, you know, it's a mental one or an emotional one, Um, yeah, so, Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of emotions and mentalities, uh, throughout this whole process, uh, besides Baby Barbarian, so you have all that figured out. So outside of that, like, you know, your family life, you know, you got a full-time job, you know, um, wherever the household duties, they may be done. 
uh, bills and whatnot, and then even trying to spend time with, you know, with yourself when you get alone time, do you, or did you ever get overwhelmed? Um, does it ever become too much? And how do you typically manage your well-being when it does? Well, I mean, uh, so actually, my, we, my wife and I didn't make it through COVID, unfortunately. So now I'm um, now I actually have more time because I have my son is with her half time. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it always becomes too much. And I was like, I was at the Emerald City Comic Con and I met this this woman over there has made this incredible costumes, you know, and I started following her on Instagram and I was like, are you getting any rest done until you do dragon calm? And, and she's like, no, I'm working from, I'm working all through the weekends, you know, all during the weekend. I was just like, yeah, it's just crazy how these things that are supposed to be so whimsical and fun, it requires so much energy and it really does require so much energy. So I think, I mean, I think sort of like anything else, it's like you kind of got to create a, and, you know, I'm still learning this at my age, but, you know, you have to create um, practices, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, goals and then steps and, you know, and sometimes you just have to turn it off too. You know, there was a moment I thought I was going to launch a couple months ago and it just didn't work out. So I had to, I had to pull out and that's the other thing, right? The nice thing is if you're an independent creator, you have your, you can make your own deadlines and that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, right? Because yeah. you procrastinate, but, um, but yeah, I, but I mean, I think, you know, I'm one of those people, you know, and I remember telling this, this student I had who um, had come, she'd come to learn English because she wanted to read Ray Carver and I was, and she's a very gifted writer. And I remember telling her, I, just, I tell this anecdote a lot. I was like, you know what? you're if you know if you want to write you might as well just do it because you're never going to outgrow it if it's really a part of your being mm-hmm. you know what I mean? and when I told her that I realized I was telling myself that as well because at that moment I wasn't writing you know what I mean and so I think it's one of those things where um when he's at Harlan Ellison told this uh, I think it was Dan Simmons the guy wrote like Hyperion mm-hmm. he's said he was at clarion and he told one guy and he's like you know what you're not going to be a writer this guy's going to be a writer dan simmons and he said and you know what i'm telling you know that's not necessarily it's like it's, a, it's almost like a curse for this guy who's actually going to be a writer because now he's got to live with it because it takes you know what i mean it's like i'm not doing this guy a favor by telling him that i'm just saying this is going to be his journey you know uh-huh. and so you understand that you understand that you know, you've been doing this, you write your own books, you have this podcast, you know, you figured, you know, you started doing everything on your own steam. And, you know, it's just something inside of us is, um, it's implacable, you know what I mean? It's not, it just doesn't stop. And we just have to learn how to live with it and how to balance it. And I mean, we don't always succeed, you know, like, you know, in balance, that balance, you know, Uh it helps to have a partner who also understands that, I think, because you can't, it's really hard to justify it. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much time investment, you know, yeah. and energy investment. Yeah. Well, my last question for you, Bill, it's pretty much the same one as it was last time. Um, what is your idea of success? And has it evolved from the last time we spoke? Has it, I guess, has the goalposts moved in any way? Well, I think. I think it's the same, but I also would say 
how's this for i'm not a politician but i'm gonna say it's the same but different (laughs) (laughs) but um it's the same in that you know uh i think for all the reasons i just mentioned you know it's something that i um i'm i was going to do and i was going to do it from when i was a little boy and it was going to be a part of my life and no matter how much i fought against it and it's just that's how it is so that hasn't changed in the fact that you know um uh you know, my goal of getting something out into the world has always been there from the very, from the very beginning, from when I was a young boy. But it's different in that, you know, I have a little bit more of a, um, of confidence and also um, a little bit more conviction that something good will come out of it, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and I don't know if you've heard this, Kayla, but, you know, many writers will say, you know, it's like, I wasn't the best writer amongst my friends. I wasn't the, you know, I wasn't the most prolific, but I was the one who just kept doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so I am the guy who just keeps doing it. You know what I mean? And so now my goals are to actually not just manifest it, but have it, you know, support me materially. Maybe not all the way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but at least some some bit, and so I am at, I'm putting my energies towards that, and that's why I want to diversify and go into different. You know, I have a I have a, I have different plans for how to how to manifest Baby Barbarian in, in sort of different different places, and you know, and using crowdfunding really as the main vehicle uh, platform. I would say, you know, mm-hmm. where people are going to be kept aware of it, because the nice thing about Kickstarter. As you as you know, is that each time you launch one, you're going to get more subscribers, right? You're going to get more people who are interested in what you're doing, and so you just got to build it and build it and build it. So my goals now are are more material. They're more. They're not as abstract anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. my that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, my I guess my idea of success is kind of similar in a way. Like people are surprised that I'm still writing. People are surprised that I'm still doing the interviews. Um, it's not as many like it was before. Like I just I kind of like burnt myself out by doing them twice a week like that. So now I'm doing them once a week, which is better for me. Um, but yeah, they're surprised I'm still doing the writing and the interviews to come out. I try to be as consistent as possible with them. Um, yeah, and it's just like. I may not be the best at it, but I'm the one that's, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the, from when I started and all the people that I found out that do podcasts as well, even though they have more people that listen to their show or subscribers, whatever you want to call it, I feel like I'm one of the only ones that's actually still putting stuff out. And that's not, you know, me trying to offend anybody or insult any other creators or anything like that, but I feel like I am. And eventually it will work out. Eventually, it's not like somebody's listening, somebody's is watching these videos right so that's how I think of it and I do want this to I guess support me financially it may like I said it may not be all the way but I feel like a lot of people are afraid to put that out there to actually say it out loud because it's the work that you have to put in to consistently put content out every week whatever it may be or monthly by monthly whatever it may be yeah so and I also uh, heard something on TikTok of all places, um, about how you kind of have to manifest, I guess is what the word she uses, manifest the outcome and accept the process. Mm. And then instead of 
manifesting the process and being forced to accept the outcome so say money in a way with this instead of trying to make like i want money that's your that's you know that that money is a process it's not an outcome right so being consistent with stuff Mm -hmm. reaching out to people and putting yourself out there um exploring different avenues like you have so you're not just doing comics you're doing merchandising pretty much with the card game and the video game and whatever else it may be that you want to do in the future and then the outcome like i said it's not money it's different avenues of revenue right it's exactly yeah it's um you know again putting yourself out there and um like both the marketing that you have you had to put more money into marketing and get professionals to come in and now you have more outreach right so yeah you you didn't manifest money like i said money is the process so you accepted the process um manifesting the outcome which is again is money it's not it's not money it's it's revenue. Revenue for yourself, right? yeah 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 outcome. so we get a life for yourself that has yeah actually have the creative aspect be you know part of it that it's not something you just have to yeah no i like that that's really that's really nice can i um i mean that's really really help i really appreciate hearing that can i um tell a little bit about two of the things that we have this time that were different from last time yeah sure so um, because the, uh, in this time, it, the, the bulk of the comic occurs in the castle and it's like a classic like D&D dungeon. Like, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You know what I mean? It's like now, nowadays everyone's like trying to justify like, why, why, are there, why are these warring factions living next to each other? Oh, well, that, but back in the day, it was just like, you went into one room and had this monster. You went into the next room and had this monster. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then there was a treasure chest, you know? That's why it's kind of gone to fantasy. But um, so Igor Wolski, who's the, he's the artist who does the, uh, who does the, the main art. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I asked him kind of early on, I said, Hey man, do you have any, you know, you have any, anyone that you'd really like to work with, you know? And he, so he, he turned me on to this guy named Thomas Spell, who's another Polish artist. And he does um, kind of, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it, but my God, he made this beautiful cross section of the castle and the dungeon complex beneath. And I sort of like had to explain where our characters begin in the rooms that they begin. And then there's all of the rooms are like, it's a, what is that called? You know, like a, you know what I mean? A cross section. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful map. So that's going to be something that we're going to be one of the stretch goals. And the other one is actually, I asked uh, uh, Jamie Noble, who I've actually talked with for years um, before he and I were really involved in all this stuff. I met, I saw him on LinkedIn and he was just starting off as a, cover artist for like fantasy books you know mm-hmm. uh for self-published people you know and he and i've been talking on and off for years he also does game design um but um so i asked him to draw a map of shenanigania which is the world that the baby barbarian live in is uh-huh. and because i was like you know i would love to keep developing and have the stories have the family leave where they're really isolated and go out into this big world and be like, holy cow, there's all this stuff out here. So, but the thing about it was, I was like, you know what? We have, I said, let's put all these things in here and then we can sort of um, leave it up to people. Hey man, come up with a name for us for like this area, this desert over here, or like this, you know, this this castle over here or this village or these this woods over here. Help us 
uh, uh, crowdsource the, the world. So that's, that'll be in another stretch goal. So that's, that's another thing we've been working on. So that should be fun. Yeah, that sounds really interesting because I'm, I'm running a game where I'm the, the dungeon master and I can't describe anything to save my life. So if I can get a map of something, that would help me out so much because I haven't, I, because it's like I have the image in my head, but how do I describe this? And then like with, with feet and miles and yards, and I don't know how any of this stuff works. And I'm the only one with a computer. So like, how does this, how am I supposed to do this? So a map would be great. Do you do you have an example of the map with you on you right now or anything like that? I mean, I could, sh yeah, hold on a sec. Let me share it with you. Um, I could show you, I, I, I could show you both of them. They're really nice. So let's see here. Oh, I can just, do I have permission to share the screen? Uh, I don't know how that works. Uh, right? I think it says yeah. share screen if you go to the... Oh, I can do it. Okay, because yeah. you, if you're not the host, then it's it's fine. So here is... Um, so here's the castle. This is the castle. Should I show it or am I going to get in trouble with myself for like showing stuff before? campaign i don't know who can share I, I i can share i can't share i just got i'm just waiting for it to come up i'm good i'm good okay yeah sorry you zoom for work so like you know it is let me see this if this guy pops up here this other this other computer is coming in I'll, I'll 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 make i'll show you real fast i'll show you the map the world map uh-huh and then I'll show you uh, here. So this is, um, oh, that's my map. Oh yeah, so I'll show you what I made. I made this and I gave it to you, this guy. Okay, I'm gonna have to show again. Real fast, sorry, everybody. Oh, so here is, um, do you see that? Oh, this is nice. Okay. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. I was like, hope I can, because it's like, with, I was like, knowing that you have ADHD, I was like, he has to make a map that I can actually read myself, because I mean, I don't, I'm not diagnosed with it, but like, I can't read a map. I can't. And this is like, it is pretty much for like, for almost like for kids. It was like, but adults can use it too, because I can't yeah, read a map. This is, this is what I was telling you about. So it's a cross section of the castle and the dungeon. Uh-huh. So every room not all of them. So he put in his own ideas for some of these, but mo about half to two thirds of these rooms all feature in the comic. Uh -huh. But the crazy thing was, was that I had, I had just written the comic and I was like, okay, now they're going to go here. And then afterwards, I was like, oh my God, there's like no rhyme or reason to anything. <laughs> so I had to like, I had to, I actually had to think in my brain, like, okay, how am I going to explain this? And he, he figured out how to make everything so that the rooms that are are contiguous in the in the comic are also contiguous in the map so that was i was like this guy's a genius and then I sh i'll show you my the other one um the map of the world map is let's see here and this one is shenanigania so again, kid style, right? Kind of kid Yeah. Style. So here's Slapdash. I see it. Slapdash, Esker, Lake, Lake. 
and the other thing was I, I you know I put in things like fell esker tour these are you know geographic terms because I'm like you know what there's nothing wrong with kids learning a little bit of something about that uh-huh what I mean and then people can help name them the escarpment of whatever you know what I mean and people can and they can name it and we can kind of world map it together um yeah so and there's an upside down colossus (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's nice it's definitely readable you know I feel like with a lot of maps I kind of because we have we use like owlbear a lot of times um when we do um the virtual games and I kind of get lost I'm like you know what are we doing with this and if they don't use the cursor I have no idea where I am Mm -hmm. so yeah that's definitely readable it's definitely friendly for pretty much everybody to use which I for one appreciate (laughs) (laughs) well I'm glad I'm glad well um is there anything else that you want to touch on about baby barbarian part two of the kickstarter or maybe just as a whole that we may have missed or that I may have missed um I I, there's uh the other thing is in the first one I don't know if you remember but I had um Fausto he's an Italian artist who did the cover yeah he um we had a a reward where you could actually I call it cover bombing you know Mm -hmm. like photo bombing but instead of that it's like you can actually bomb the cover and then he will draw a picture of like either you or your child, like sort of barbarian eyes. And it's a single, single issue thing. There's a, there's going to be a few of those and they're very, uh, you know, there's limited because I can't, I can't, I can't ask that guy to too much. But then I also found this other artist who I found on Instagram named Scott Oakley from the UK. And he kind of did, his style was kind of like, kind of like cartoony like that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It was complimentary, I think, to Baby Barbarian, how the style is. And so I asked him, and he had, I saw his stuff. And so I, we, he also is doing a variant cover. And, but this one is going to be super rare. And it's only in the middle. It's like a Brady Bunch one. And in the, yeah. it has all the characters. And in the middle, you can also have a barbarianized version of yourself. And that cover right now is only going to be, only going to be for people who, um, actually want to put their barbarian self on the middle like Faustus cover you can get without yourself as barbarian mm-hmm. but so those are two and there, there's two options a cover bomb is what we call them and last time we it was a we had a you know a couple people back for that and um it was a lot of, it, I think it was great I think it was a lot of fun and they were very happy um to you know see barbarian versions of this I mean who's not happy to see a barbarian version of themselves right yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're you're rocking bar you you want to get back to playing a barbarian you know yeah i do i mean i like i said i want to explore that that rage element and see with how that looks role-playing and like i said he and i are the only people that know that i'm doing this so it's interesting because i'm playing with other people i've played before and i want to see how they react to it me being something a bit different can uh, um what are, I mean, what are some of the side effects? You're like getting hungry, getting sleepy. Yeah, um, like I said, one uh, is like the migraines, and then um, um, I don't think it's is it heart dis- It's not heart disease. It might something to do with the heart. Um, heart palpitations or yeah, something? heart palpitations. Um, blood through your body. Uh, right? Paranoia. I think it's maybe paranoia that comes with it um so and then like digestive issues um maybe 
I don't think insomnia, but you you might have some type of like sleep issues or something like that too. Um, so yeah, it all just depends on when she comes down from it, and it's like, randomized, though, right? Yeah, yeah, he's it's randomized. Well, he'll roll it and he'll tell me, and then this is what happens. So I have to act it out. Which I love the done way. yet, and I'm really really interested in doing. No, I think that's so clever, and and I, I I'm so I'm so happy to see rpgs influencing plot now mm-hmm. you know like guardians of the galaxy james gunn he's uh he's a role player you know what i mean and you can see that sometimes you know think about the the first one at the end where they do like the dance off yeah it's like, who would come up with that in like a, pl- a typical plot you know like you know s- seminar you know what i mean uh-huh. so that's totally a thing that they somebody would do in a game you know <laughs> Well, no one has done it in my game, but now you put it in my head, I may have to make, because I always make multiple characters just in case, because I don't get attached to any of my characters. I may have to do a, something like that. I may make a bard. I've never played a bard before, so I might do that, and she might do a dance-off. Something like that. That'd be funny. <laughs> well, they have that in Stranger Things, too, right? The guy plays a guitar, the Metallica solo, and to draw the animals to him, you know? Yeah, you can do that, too. That'd be really cool. I've never thought about playing a bard, but now I am. Thanks for putting it in my <laughs> put it in yeah. my Bill. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, good luck getting on the um, getting back in the in the game in the gaming thing. Yeah, I think he's like I said. I think he's bringing it back in the fall. Okay. But we'll we'll see how it works out. Um, that was kind of hard, yeah, because everyone wants to go outside and stuff. I get it totally. Yeah, yeah. But uh. All right. Well, again, I want to thank a comics writer and creator of the Baby Barbarian and the Player's Throne comic series, William Gosline, for joining us here today to promote the Kickstarter for the comic's second issue. I highly recommend our listeners to consider backing Baby Barbarian and the Player's Hand Player's Throne Part Two. I was about to say the Player's Handbook. (laughs) 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 And or purchase the first issue if they can. All of Bill's socials and Kickstarter will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I am K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Numbered Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks for having me on.